We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. We are back with the trade deadline edition of BuzzBeat. This is Richie. And uh, there's a lot to talk about with Brandon Miller right now. He's showing out. He's having a good stretch of games. But I'm going to be joined by Brian and Spencer today as we discuss all the trade rumors, the trade chatter surrounding the Hornets as we head into Thursday's 3 p.m. deadline. As always, if you like what we do, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our episodes Lastly, check out buzzbeat.substack.com for ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and occasional written pieces. But uh, yeah, that just takes all 30 seconds to put your email into that database. Spencer, I know this has to be one of your favorite times of the year in the basketball calendar. How's it going? Yeah, well, one of the most relevant times of the year for Charlotte Hornets uh, fans and (laughs) the franchise in general. But uh, no, I do. I enjoy it. I'm doing well. Um, old Virginia for another time, BG. But uh, G- Jordan Miner has given Virginia a, a kind of a, a second life, maybe like a sixth life, really, on the season. So that's been fun to watch, and they seem very, very relevant, certainly in the ACC right now. Uh, but I am good. I am uh, highly anticipating uh, the Thursday deadline and. I, I told you, Richie, before we jumped on here, I think Charlotte could be maybe the bell of the ball, though, at least be in the in the final draw here. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of conversation surrounding Charlotte. Brian, if you had to rank the draft season, the free agent season and the trade deadline season, where would you rank them? I would go draft one for then like a pretty, pretty sizable gap. Uh, then I would go to trade. And then smaller, smaller gap to uh, free agency. Charlotte's just like, I mean, for as far as what we do covering the Hornets, like free agency is just usually like not a huge thing to cover. And so looking at it through that lens, like I'm interested by all of it, obviously. Um, but the draft far and away, the thing I'm uh, I'm most intrigued by. But yeah, this is this is shaping up for an interesting trade deadline. You know, the Hornets have already made one move, which everyone knows about. We'll throw a year and. It feels like half the roster could be potentially, you know, we'll see. They may end up making zero deals between now and Thursday, but it feels like there's some other options on the table. And just should say for UVA, a couple of things. Reese Beekman's playing like 
all like all, almost ACC Player of the Year like fringe you know conversation. Like no one's taken that from from RJ Davis probably at this point. Um, and even then, you've got Kyle Filipowski. Um, there's a lot of other sort of like big names to throw in the mix. But Beekman is playing like a first team All ACC guard in my opinion. Ryan Dunn may be like the National Defensive Player of the Year. He's that talented. And having he and Beekman on the same team is incredible. And yeah, Miner just doing like all the classical like, you know, center things that Virginia needs. And having a guy that could screen, dive, and rebound on both sides of the court has given it, it just made it's everything else is able to fall into place. And they've got more lineup combinations. Um, and it really helps you've got guys like McNeely and Groves shooting the ball like that too. I mean, just changes everything for them. So uh, one really quick thing, Richie, and then we're going to talk about what yeah, you brought it up. Spencer. I had this thought yesterday. I had to be on the road for a while, BG, and I thought they got the best backcourt defender maybe in the country, potentially the best wing defender in the country, certainly in the ACC, and now like just a good, solid college center. I, you know, he's good at a lot of things, not great at anything. Like they kind of match up against anybody. Now. Yeah. And so yep. we'll see. I mean, they're going to struggle offensively, but I, I'm like, it's crazy. Three weeks ago, I thought this team was like dead to rights. The, their ability to like be able to like defend one on one in the post with Minor and now control the defensive glass is huge because that's where they were getting crushed earlier in the year. So totally. um, it's changed everything there. All right. So the UVA fans can tune out now. We're going to get over to the, uh, the Charlotte Hornet portion of our podcast. And we're going to lead off with the heaviest rumored name out there. And I don't, I don't know how legitimate these reports are with him to Phoenix, but let, let's talk about Miles Bridges. As everyone is aware, he's on a one-year deal. He will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. And as we have noted on previous episodes and other platforms, he will have to consent to any trade that is lined up before it goes official. So that probably limits the pool in terms of the teams that could be considered. As far as the basketball player, he's got the talent. As an all ball, on ball like rim pressure guy, I know he's putting up the the counting stats this season again after having a year off. But there are plenty of reasons to field offers or to try to get something out of him if you are maybe considering cutting ties with him this off season. Um, it's definitely a very complex situation. And I remember texting you guys over the weekend about in reality, it's probably better to trade him after signing this new contract, like a sign-and-trade or you know, further down the line because there would be that long-term security. There would be more suitors for him. So approaching the Thursday deadline for Miles Bridges, I do think the pool is limited. And I even noted on the previous episode about the complications of trying to kind of sign Miles back on a team-friendly deal because he actually has five years of experience instead of six years of experience because of that year off. So getting to that seventh year of experience is kind of like a milestone for some of these players. And maybe that doesn't matter to Charlotte, but I think if, you know, if, if you want to trade them um, and you want to get something back, maybe you try to do it now versus failing to come to terms with him over the summer. You know, I, I know they've got plenty of space, uh, but if they're just not comfortable with making a, you know, a longer term deal, maybe you try to field offers. So it really all comes down to how comfortable they are in moving forward with him and what they would expect the market to be. But Spencer, just kind of give me your general thoughts about Miles Bridges being moved and then uh, potential thoughts about maybe to the Suns as well. Yeah, I mean, this is as complicated of a like trade deadline situation with the players I can really ever remember. 
you know, from multiple different uh, angles. I mean, obviously the PR angle is where you start. And, um, you know, I think trying to move him to a big market that's not LA and specifically probably not the Lakers becomes really messy. Uh, and then you move off that and he's an expiring contract, you know, on a $9 million qualifying offer deal. And Richie, as you mentioned, you know, as he, he's an expiring contract and his bird rights do not travel with him. And along with all of that, he can nix any trade that he wants to because he lo- loses his bird rights. So, you know, I you can you can talk me into four different scenarios that, that play out at the deadline or this offseason with Miles. I do get the sense that it's going to be hard to trade him at the deadline because I don't think Charlotte is that incentivized to rush unless they get a godfather offer, which I it's still possible because I think this is a very shallow market, so I wouldn't rule it out. But I do think that if a team, let's say like Utah, really thinks they can bring him in and they want him on a four-year deal, you know, or four or five-year deal only that Charlotte can give him with his bird rights and then sign and trade him, well, that's the whole reason Charlotte's not incentivized to do a deal now. So I hope they're doing their homework on who actually would prioritize him in the offseason. But you know, Phoenix, obviously, I think they could really use him. They're the one team that you can see him fitting into immediately that's also in, like, do-or-die mode. Like, it's now or never. Like, they're going for it. They should be operating as in they're going for it. Uh, Richie, I think you floated a trade. Was it earlier this week or late last week? The Watanabe, uh, Nasir Little trade. I, I really think that, to me, that makes a lot of sense for Charlotte. Like, I, aside from all the things we've talked about with Miles off the court that are obvious. I'm just kind of like, I know who this guy is as a player. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's necessarily a losing player, but I, I, he, Charlotte does not need him anymore. They just don't. And, and, and that's more me talking about the on-court stuff than the off-court stuff. He scored 41 points last night, right? And I'm still like pretty firm in my belief that like this is not they, – they have to reset the culture, and this is not a guy you're going to reset your culture with. So I think the Phoenix deal is the most realistic. I think, you know, Dallas has been mentioned. Uh, I wouldn't rule out a Lakers at the last second kind of trade. Uh, I really wouldn't. I mean, and, and Rich Paul is, he's going to find a way to control this process. I mean, it, on some level, we all know that. Uh, but at the end of the day, if I had to guess, I don't think that Charlotte's going to be able to trade him because I think they have enough uh, leverage in the offseason to get more of a package back with him under contract for multiple years versus being an expired contract where I just don't think it makes enough sense for them to pull the trigger. Yeah, agreed. And, and to the Suns' perspective, they are the team that keeps popping up the most, but they have such little to offer. And the one that I did pose with Nasir Little and Watanabe and maybe like a second-round pick or two, like that, that just seems so low. Like I think the Hornets would probably ask for a first-round pick, but I'm not sure Phoenix – is going to give that up for a rental player. I mean, I could be wrong. There's and, been some re- there's been some reporting by Jake Fisher too uh, within the last day about Phoenix, uh, Charlotte, Bridges hypotheticals. He mentioned a deal very similar to yours, Richie, which was like Nasir Little, a second round pick or two, and then Josh Okoji, Okoji, yeah, Okoji. As, as opposed to uh, Watanabe. But it's the same, you know, it's the same sort of same sort of deal. And I mean, the connections are like pretty obvious. I mean, Phoenix is a, a team that is incredibly desperate to win now, which really are the only sort of like types of teams that I think are like circling the wagons for Bridges at the moment. Like it's the Lakers or the Suns. It's the teams that have like 
don't have a ton of like great salaries to move, especially Phoenix. Don't have a ton of like draft capital to move. I mean, the Suns, I don't even think can trade any first round picks. Um, they've got some seconds they could they can flip. That's about it. I'll just say this: like I know that those returns are they seem low or whatever. Um, I just I know this, and I'm selfish, I guess I suppose in this case. But like this is one of those moments where I really don't care about like executive deal craft. Like I would just like him off the roster. Like I'm I'm tired of watching Miles Bridges play for the Hornets. Um, by the way, zero rebounds in a well playing 40 minutes against the Lakers uh, and scoring 41 points. Um, I think when this guy was playing very well two seasons ago, he absolutely was a winning player. I'm, I'm not sure uh, he's a winning player at the moment. The defense has been laughable. Like, I guess if you're checked out on this team, I, I kind of get it. But given that they're trying to, like, frame this as a second chance with for Miles, which has always, like, made me pretty queasy, you would think a guy like that might uh, might care about the details a little bit more. So I'm just ready for it to be over with. Um, you know, if he's not moved at the at the deadline this year, which I have my fingers crossed that he will be, uh, perhaps it's a sign and trade this summer. Just I, I'd like as they're going to start to rebuild this around Brandon Miller, Lamelo Ball. Um, I would prefer for Miles Bridges to be uh, somewhere else uh, and not an employee of the Charlotte Hornets anymore. So we'll see. Like I, I, I could see a team, uh, and I mean, like Spencer brought it up too, but like. The fact that like Rich Paul and Clutch have a ton of leverage in the situation right now, um, and just given how narrow the market probably is for Bridges, it makes me feel like something won't get done. But I absolutely could see a you know, if they decide the next two days that they want Miles and Phoenix, you know, then I suppose it's something that that could happen. But uh, it just feels it feels like a tough needle to to thread at the moment. Yeah, and I would say too, like. I, I do think that the the Lakers have the kind of salaries where there are a lot of different like machinations of a deal. Like, you know, Hachimura, he's he's played more recently, but hasn't played as much this season as I think a lot of people thought he would. Like, his number's not huge. It's seventeen million next year. It's fifteen point seven this year. Like, you know, that's Miles Bridges, Cody Martin. If that were to interest you, works pretty quickly. I would be trying to move off both those guys. Like I tweeted this the other day. Like I would try to be package packaging uh, a few of these players that the Hornets have that probably aren't a, a serious piece of the future. Um, it like if if it's Miles Bridges uh, and Cody Martin for Hachimura and two second round picks or a, a well protected late. Like I would do that kind of thing. Um, you have Gabe Vincent who hadn't played all year. He's on like eleven million dollars this year. Like. There, the, the math really works for the Lakers and Charlotte to do a trade. Do does does it make enough sense on the court? Like if I were Charlotte, I'd be operating from a stance of I'm not really trying to get a player back. Like yes, I'll take a player that that like can play 15 minutes a game for me next year. Like I, yes, I need bodies and I got to meet the salary floor <laughs> before next season, so I need contracts. But like ultimately, like I'm just trying to extract assets and. I, I just it, it's really hard for me to to believe that they're going to bring him back to play for the Hornets next year if they're very confident that a sign and trade is doable in the offseason and they actually think they're going to have more suitors, which I get that's very arguable. I would do it, but once you don't trade him at the trade deadline, 
Like, that's your only option. That's it. And you're facing another situation, as this franchise has been in a lot, of losing a guy for nothing against Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. And that doesn't make me real confident. So I would be trying to move him now, probably. But it's going to be hard. Even I mean, like sacrificing the value of him, because I've had a lot of people mentioning to me today, like, you know, if, if you're going to trade him, do do the sign and trade. Um, but so you, you would be OK with like sacrificing value right now, Spencer, just 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 to see, OK, there's yeah. an unknown in the summer. I, I think so. I okay. think I would. I, I think. It, and and look, like you did miles of like <laughs> you, you didn't have to bring him back. Right. So if you really turn the clocks back. Are you sacrificing value? If you're still getting something for him in the end, you didn't have to bring him back at all, right? So, like, I, it's we look at value in like this moment in time. But Charlotte didn't have to offer him the qualifying offer, right? But they did, yeah. Get, so it's you know it's it's playing that mental game. I would try to get off of him at all cost. You know, not for free, obviously, but yeah, I would. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, in the same, I'm in the same boat. Um, like I said, I care less about sort of like maximizing um, and would just feel better about getting him out of here. And if you pick up something in the process of doing that, then fine, like end of end of business uh, with this person. Um, it has been amazing to see, and I, I get it, I, I've felt the same way, but to see like Suns fans and Suns media people like recoiling at the possibility of bringing him in, like... You, you know, I get it. I totally get it. I would I wouldn't want the team I'm 
covering or rooting for to 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 add this guy to the to the mix. Um, but we've talked about <clears throat> Bridges plenty on on this uh, um, on this uh, pod, and yeah, you'd also have to remember too, like there's a good chance that it's probably a, a new GM that's coming in or a new president of basketball ops that would be coming in to have to handle that in the summer, most likely. I mean, we don't we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Mitch Kupchak and the current regime, but it does feel like uh, it does feel like that's something to, to keep an eye on. I, I do wonder, like this is since we're just talking like uh, I guess the Lakers a little bit here, like. I suppose DeJounte Murray is still on the uh, still available, although maybe Atlanta's gonna hold on to him and try to make some noise in the play in tournament. Um, which I mean, <laughs> that's fine, I guess. Uh, I guess they could try to trade him, you know, like down the line too or whatever. Wait, like, you mean make some noise in the barbecue series, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like Mike, my, my thing I was, I was asking y'all, do you think like seeing how the there's just like a not looking at the trade market now? Seeing what the landscape looks like, do you think the Lakers have any could have any sort of like regret from not going after like pursuing Rozier? I don't. I don't think they. It's not like I think they could have put together like an offer. I think it would have been like identical to or very similar to to what Miami came through with. And I suppose you know Russell's played D'Angelo Russell's played well recently. If you get him back, Reeves in a better role, like maybe it's like not such a big deal to, to, to add someone else or whatever. But I, I was kind of wondering the other night, um, like if Murray isn't moved mm-hmm. while this, you know, that's happening as LeBron is like putting his thumb down on the, on the scale, trying to get a transaction done uh, between now and Thursday. Like if there was just any sort of like, you know, cognitive dissonance from, uh, you know, not, you know, landing a player like Rozier. Well, I think it's clear that the Lakers tried to shove the Murray trade down everyone's throats, right? Because it was like like a week ago, this seemed like it was a done deal. It was a matter of time. They were just kind of negotiating through. and But we all know how that makes it through to the Twitterverse and all the headlines. That's clutch sports, right? There's just them flexing, flexing, flexing. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe. Um I, th- I think you're probably on to something there, BG. I, I still think there's it- – it's these mid-tier contracts they have. Like, the Lakers are actually in better position than, like, most I'm, – I'm contenders in air quotes here with the Lakers. But you get what I'm trying to say. Like, they actually have contracts to move and get a role player back. But they're, but they're going to have to part with a future asset that they, they're going to have to buy hard. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. But I think they're. But yeah, I think you're onto something. Like I think they love to have Rozier right now for that price. For that. For that price. Right. Yeah. Right. And like you know, Levine's off the table now because of the injury too. Just like all of a sudden, the like shooting guard market seems to have like dried up as far as like name you know twenty point per game type scores go. Right. Um, you know, again, that sort of depends on what the availability of Murray is. I suppose the next two days. Yeah. To your point, Brian, I do think that the offer that Miami had probably was going to be the better one because if you include Russell, you Russell's got that player option next year, which is probably not as attractive to the expiring that they got from, from Lowry. So we will shift over to PJ Washington. I don't think the Hornets are going to trade both miles and PJ, but it could be in consideration to trade one of the two and Washington, at least at this moment would probably have a better return than bridges. He's got two more seasons after this one. So you get more team control with him um, if you are a team that is is acquiring him, 
I, I've heard Orlando as a rumored destination for PJ. I've heard the Knicks with Randall out indefinitely, and that could be a spot for him to land. But the team that keeps popping up with PJ, even this past offseason, was Dallas. So I, I know there was a uh, report out there, I believe it was from Mark Stein, where the Hornets, if they were to kind of engage in, in, in a trade with PJ to Dallas, Josh Green is that guy that the Hornets would really push hard to be included and you would get, you know, a really good young player in Josh Green. He's been playing very well as of late. You get some point of attack defense. You get a little bit of playmaking. You get the three-point shot with him. And this hypothetical deal for Charlotte would be centered around him. Like, he's he's he would be like the quote-unquote prize that uh, the Hornets would be receiving from Dallas. What's interesting about Josh Green is that he is still on his rookie contract of the uh, $4.7 million that he signed, but he did have an extension that will kick in this offseason. So uh, that poison pill provision that people talk about sometimes where the outgoing salary for Dallas will still be at that $4.7 million, but the incoming salary for Charlotte will be that 4.7 average with his yearly extension. So I think that comes out to like 11 million. So it's not like it's insurmountable by any, by any means, but it does kind of complicate things when you include Josh green within a deal with Dallas. So the, the most simplistic deal that I came up with was Rashawn Holmes and Josh green for PJ. And, and that works. And it's kind of crazy to see how the Hornets fans and the Hornets community were, were trying to sign Rashawn Holmes and how he's kind of fallen off since his days in Sacramento with his role being diminished behind Derek lively. So I, maybe his push shots just aren't, aren't working in Dallas. So Brian, how do you feel about the Dallas trade that I just presented and we're really just kind of fielding offers for PJ in general? Yeah, I mean they should be they should be fielding offers for PJ now. Um, I think it's sort of doing your due diligence. I still think it make probably if you're going to trade PJ, I think it probably still makes most sense to do it this summer uh, when teams will have more stuff to offer in terms of draft picks available. Uh-huh. Um, so there's that, and you know as you sort of laid out, there's two years left on the contract. It's a it's a very like tradable number. It's a very team friendly movable number so there doesn't there's no like urgency it's just sort of like when do you think you can get the best offer for for pj i don't mind this one from dallas like i will say like josh green is he's he's very he is a player type that i'm very interested in the hornets sort of pursuing like with their cap space going forward like both in terms of like a one, I would like to see them rent that out to take on bad salaries so they can, you know, add draft picks, like that type of stuff. That's something I'm interested in. But I'm also intrigued by Charlotte finding ways to bring wings in that can, you can fit next to Miller. You can fit next to Lamelo. They can play with those guys. If they're good, you can, you can keep them, try to have them be a part of the picture moving forward. If not, maybe you can look to, to move them and get something for them down the line. Um, in in green sort of strikes me as this would be sort of like an opportunistic way to add one of those player types, but I, I kind of like it as a as a possibility. PJ would be really good for 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 a Dallas team that could uh, I think use like another shooter in the front court room. They've really been hit hard by injuries recently, and uh, you know Luca's being asked to carry a, a pretty tremendous uh, offensive load for them at the moment. So. You know, I'm not I'm not like obviously I don't think that's like some amazing return, but I think it's like fair ish and, and maybe you have something with green. I'm not totally sure how you guys feel about his defense. I think he does 
I think he's like very good at doing some things defensively. I don't think he's this like amazing shutdown screen navigator type guy at the point of attack, but still solid on that end and with some upside. So yeah, I uh, I think he's he'd be a nice player to add to the fold. But I would really be most interested in like finding ways to turn PJ into draft picks, and I think your odds of doing that are better this summer. And like I'm also fine if they just decide they want to keep him around. Like I. Uh, you know, I, I'm not like opposed to there again. There should be no pressure to move this guy. They can, we could be having this conversation at the deadline next year with him, but he's young. He's, he's a good player and he can like fit within this new, within like the reset timeline, I think too. So I'm fine with them holding on the PJ, at least kicking the can down the road uh, to the summer or, or maybe into next season. Yeah, you know, Dallas is an interesting suitor for P.J. The poison pill definitely complicates things, as you laid out, Richie. But you can still work something, excuse me, around Josh Green and Grant Williams, who's a distressed asset, I would say, right now. And I would be sniffing around uh, because he could be a rotation player in Charlotte quickly. In fact, I think the Hornets almost walked away from P.J. Washington last summer so they could maybe give an offer sheet to Grant Williams. <laughs> so it'd be a very interesting, like uh look back in time, like time machine challenge trade. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that I think it's gonna be hard to get future draft assets from, from Dallas um, just in the situation. They don't have a lot. What's that? They don't have a lot to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they don't, they don't really have much to, to trade you, but I do think something built around it, it might take another player. I haven't put this one through the trade machine from Charlotte's standpoint to make the money work, but a Grant Williams, uh, Josh Green package based around PJ, I'm definitely listening. But, you know, to Brian's point too, Charlotte's not in a rush to trade him. You know, he's under contract uh, through the 26, into the 26 season at a very, very fair deal. I just, you know, and again, going back to, kind of my thought process from the weekend when I tweeted this, like I would be trying to trade all of Cody Martin, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, who are your three guys right now who have value number one and number two, uh, I think are very, very tradable for obvious reasons that we've already touched on. And it's not because I don't think these guys can not be good NBA players or make an impact somewhere else. It's just, it's rotten in Charlotte right now. And they have something to do with that. And if it's time to tear it down, and I'd be surprised if all of us don't agree that it's time to tear it down, like it, it, those are the three that it kind of has to start with, right? So it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, Richie, when you were like, so you would take less value for miles. Like, yeah, I, 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 this is a garage sale right now. Like, really, you know, I mean, like when you really boil it down to its pure components, it, this is kind of a garage sale. <laughs> and if we can sneak out value here or there, that's great. But like, we're going to have a new coach. We're going to have a new GM. We're going to have another probably top four. I mean, certainly a top four pick, you would think. Like, And you got LaMelo under contract for lots more years and Brandon Miller under contract for lots more years. Like, If you don't do it now, like, we're going to be having the same exact conversation next year. I'd be trying to get all these guys out of the building. Not because they're bad guys or not because they're bad players, but it's rotten. And when, when it's time to press reset – Press freaking reset. Don't press half reset. This franchise is in a place to press full reset right now. 
Yeah, I I can't wait for Richie to clip that line uh, that Spencer just said as a, for the promo the uh, this uh, this episode on on Twitter on Twitter and stuff. Uh, should be worth mentioning too. I mean, a few other teams have popped up as like potential suitors for Washington. Uh, Jake Fisher again from Yahoo reported, I think earlier this week or maybe late last week, that New York, uh, the Knicks, uh, were a team that was interested in uh in pj so you know i don't know maybe something around you know evan fournier's contract and some you know obviously the knicks have a lot of picks i I don't know if they'd be willing to part with a with a one unless it was pretty heavily protected but just another another team that could at least like throw its hat in the in the race for for pj and maybe has some some uh some stuff to offer too so um, again, I can see why a lot of teams should be interested in him. I, I think a team like Oklahoma City should be interested in him. He he can play a, a several positions. He can shoot, he moves the ball, maintains advantages. Like teams should be considering him a guy that can help them and be in a and be in a playoff rotation. In my opinion, like we won't know for sure about PJ until we see it. But you know, I've been on record for a while now saying I, th- I think this guy's a is a guy that can play, be on the floor in a, in a postseason game. Um, I think he needs to kind of get mentally ready for that because he's just been sort of stuck in this terrible culture that Spencer was referring to. It's worth mentioning, like, the comments Terry Rozier had the other week, right? Talking about just sort of, like, the loser mentality around the franchise. And, yeah, I will say, like, you mentioned his name, too. Cody Martin does strike me as a guy that if he were healthy – uh, you know, Charlotte would be, he's a, he's a wing. He's, I mean, the shot's been up and down, but he's a wing. He can defend a little bit. He can do, he can at least like, you know, handle the ball some offensively. He's shown capability to shoot at times. Like, you know, probably not like a lock to be in a postseason rotation, but p- could potentially be in the, depending on matchups and stuff like that. So, but I just, he's played, he's played 25 games the last two seasons. Like, and he hasn't, he hasn't really been like an effective player in a long time. So if he, he feels like a little uneasy uh, to move at the moment. When you said he played 25 games the last two seasons, you could be talking about a handful of guys on the Hornets. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm with, I'm with Spencer in terms of just kind of like reshaping, rebuilding, whatever word you want to use with this roster. And um, you know, it, I get it. Yeah. You might have to give up some value. You might have to concede a couple of things and, um, I would not trade both Miles and PJ, but definitely field these offers for these guys and and see what you can get back. And it's funny because like they made this trade with Terry Rozier. That that to me signals that they're trying to rebuild. That to me signals oh, no question things up. Yeah. So like they got to fully commit to this. Like like Spencer was saying, they they can't have to do this. We talked about it, but like I mean, it's the first time they've made one of those types of transactions, and I I can't. I mean, I don't, I don't know the last time they made one like that where yeah. it was straight up just like moving off of a, a veteran to pick up a, a draft pick. Which I, I, I know we, we need to keep moving. Uh, Regulator, uh, one of our live listeners tonight, mentioned this Hollinger rumor, and I, I haven't seen this. So, yeah, Richie just pulled it up here. So, the hot rumor in the league circle is that the Hornets' new ownership will make a change in the front office after the trade deadline. So, that's worth, like... That's weird. That's very weird. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's a weird piece of information to come out. I it certainly is not coming out from like the Hornets ownership. I mean, it's a brand new group. They're trying to keep things clean right now, like, uh, which is the reason they haven't already fired Mitch. I would be doing what, I, well, I, I don't want to say I would be doing or, or that you should do things the opposite way, but I actually think thought there was a really good 
uh, argument to be made that this should work exactly the opposite. Don't let Mitch handle <laughs> the trade deadline. Get ahead of this. But I also understand the pushback against that because I, I, I the, floated that out to a few folks and, and they did tell me like, yeah, but like you really, really shrink your your candidate pool, right? Who that person would be or you're going to keep it in house. Like, so I, I, I totally get it. But that's a very weird piece of information to come out, I think, from Audra. That that's very weird to me. Just wanted to put that out. Agreed. Like, yeah, it's too late to do anything now with Mitch and as we approach this Thursday deadline. But uh, I don't know why they make a change afterwards, and or at least immediately afterwards. Obviously, we we'll just kind of wait to the summer at that point. Yeah, I, I did see uh, Mitch was at the Duke UNC game uh, last weekend with his. Uh, it's the first time I've I think I've ever since he got to Charlotte. I think it's the first time I've ever seen him like not in like a Hornets like fleece or like q-zip quarter zip or whatever so it was like it was like odd to see initially but i was imagining just knowing like the cell service inside of the dean dome i was trying to imagine like uh you know, dennis Lindsay from the jazz is like trying to get trying to get a hold of him but just the texts are going through the calls are, are dropping uh, sounds like a curb episode like he yeah, goes exactly. up and he's in there's a rafters he's trying to like get cell service he, he, nobody pick up the phone the, 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 <laughs> the, jazz, the jazz are calling with the godfather offer <laughs> and, but uh but yeah you know you would see in the middle of a 7-0 run the d-dumps rocking and like that phone's just going unanswered <laughs> oh, all right the next two players i think we need to mention are kind of in the same category kyle lowry Gordon Hayward, both veterans on large expiring contracts, both guys that could potentially like be on a playoff roster and, uh, you know, be competitive and, and compete for that team. And obviously if Hayward's healthy, I think that would be a, a big pickup for any team that could potentially acquire him. Now there are restrictions on these two when it comes to the buyout market because of their salaries being above that 12.5 million uh, standard mid-level exception. So teams that are above that tax apron of that $172 million will not be able to sign them on that buyout market. So Clippers, Suns, Celtics, Bucks, those are just some of the teams that are out there. So if they want to get their hands on Kyle Lowry or Gordon Hayward, those teams specifically will have to trade for them. Now, Lowry has been linked to the 76ers. That seems like an obvious connection with like the Pennsylvania, Villanova, that feels right. Uh, the Lakers, the Magic. So those are the teams as of now, and they don't they don't have to worry about the rule that they can go ahead and sign them because they're not over the uh, the tax apron unless they make a trade before then. Um, so I don't really have like strong feelings on these two. I I just keep forgetting that Kyle Lowry is technically on the roster. Uh, <laughs> I it just it just slips my mind because of that trade and just not seeing him in a uniform. But I think the most likely path is for Lowry to be bought out. And I actually think nothing happens in regards to Hayward. Um, if you can trade Lowry, like I guess go for it. Try to get back maybe um, a, a pick. I think you'll probably have to take on extended salary in this situation and take on a bad contract. And then Hayward, on the other hand, as Mark Stein has reported, is very unlikely to seek a buyout if he is not traded. So I think he'll probably just see what the future holds for him in the offseason. And I've mentioned this several times, but depending on the contract, there's certainly a reason to at least consider, consider, I mean, not, 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 I, I don't think I would do it, but just consider bringing him back as a veteran off the bench where the expectations would be lower and he wouldn't be like in charge to re produce as a starter. So I really haven't looked at that number yet. I don't know, 9 million, something like that. I mean, I, I, it has to be a consideration, something like that. So 
Spencer, do you think either of these two get dealt and uh, how's that, how's that going to go down? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only way it really goes down is giving massive salary relief to one of these teams over the tax. So, you know, you mentioned the teams that are at the second apron, um, but you got, I'm looking at it here now, you got nine teams uh, that are, are owe luxury tax, start with the Lakers, Sixers, Heat, Nuggets, Celtics, Bucks, Suns, Clippers, Warriors. So I, I think that's really like the only way that that one of these guys gets dealt is that you're giving, I mean, it's a big number, but it, they're both expiring contracts and you're taking on you know, multiple years of dead money. I've gone through, a, you know, a few of them. Like, uh, let me pull up. Or oh, I had Golden States. I thought Golden State maybe was like a like. I I was thinking about Andrew Wiggins, um, and how he might fit coming back to Charlotte in some kind of Gordon Hayward esque deal. Um, I mean, Charlotte would be saving Golden State, <laughs> like just this year. Uh, and, 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 you know, Golden State would have to send something back uh, to save a little bit, something else back on top of Wiggins to save some money this year. But then he's under contract for three more years, and every single one of those years, $25 million plus. So, like, the amount of money in tax dollars that Golden State would save with an aging Clay, with an aging Draymond, with an aging Steph Curry, like, you got to at least, like, meet about that, right? Um, so that, that's the one that really, but at the same time, I just, I don't, yeah. And regular saying w- Wiggins and Moses, uh, would do it. I, I, I don't, I just don't see Golden State doing that. I, I think that Golden State would ask for a future asset from Charlotte, even a very, very light one, um, to do that deal because of Wiggins age, but boy, you got to meet about that. Didn't Golden. click. Didn't click like that's like yeah a, yeah, then fine. Uh, yeah I mean you know exactly um yeah. I, I mean like a healthy Hayward would like honestly help them too like I mean if if it's yeah. possible that he's gonna you know he actually like would be a good system fit there uh, offensively I think he like again healthy version of him would be very good for Steph and would sort of fit into their their motion uh s- scheme it's just a bummer he got hurt like he was you know, I mean this happens every year now but. He was playing so well to start the season. You know, he looked like a potentially interesting trade option, you know, probably, you know, 15, 20 games into the year. And then, um, you know, the inevitable injury happened. And I don't know when he's going to come back, you know, if he'll come back this season. And and certainly, like, if there was going to be the ability to trade him, it just sort of got, like, washed away because he's not actively playing at the at the moment. And yeah, like I just don't. It's hard to see as far as like Lowry goes. It is funny to see him like on the Hornets basketball reference page. I saw that earlier today. It made me do like a, a double take. Um, I think he, I think he just sort of looms as like an obvious buyout candidate, um, and, and a guy that like yeah, I think the all roads lead to Philly. Like it makes sense. They're one of. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on Embiid his health, which is a big question mark at the moment, but like they're one, like so many of the teams that are at that, you know, second apron threshold, like that can't add him because his salary is well above the, the mid-level like Philly is one of the teams that's like in that, like, you know, quasi contender or, you know, legit contender status that financially could, uh, uh, you know, bring in, bring in a, a guy like that. So, 
um, that that one does seem to make uh, quite a bit of sense. Uh, yeah, but you know, the other know. the other thought here is can can Charlotte help one of these teams? Boy, it's it's tough though. Yeah, I'm looking at it. This thought just came to mind. Can they help one of these teams get below that second apron? Yeah, so they can go approach one of these buyout guys. So it's almost like you're making a trade, you know, help yeah. them out so they can go bid later. Uh, but it, but that it's I think the math is still without trying to make this really boring. It it's still just it's hard. It's hard. So with a few of these teams, like Philly's one of those teams. Yeah. And, and like, we've, we've discussed the possibility of bringing Hayward back this off season. Like I'm certainly not opposed to it. Um, I think there are like more, there are probably like more creative ways to, to go forward with your, uh, with your cap space and your roster spots. But like, I mean, to bring up the same old phrase again, like when healthy, he's good. Um, maybe he still, you, you can still flip him for something eventually. And, uh, ultimately like he's not a bad, that wouldn't be a bad player to have. He's not going to take anything away from, you know, Miller or LaMelo. Like if anything, he just sort of amplifies things. I just get the feeling he would want to go play for a team that has more stakes. Like he's just been kind of stuck here for a while now. So I, I, I don't know how much he, it feels like to keep him in Charlotte, they'd have to, you know, I don't know, pay a premium necessarily or whatever, but like they'd have to, they'd have to give him like, I think probably what 15, 18, 20 million a year, you Makes know, sense. Makes you sense. Know? so I just, uh, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe he's willing to play for way less. It just, that seems unlikely cause he's still good. Um, so anyways, that's, that's sort of like my thoughts on, on Hayward going forward. I just wish he was healthy. It would make him, um, a much even with that salary, which is tough to which is tough to move, you know, that's a barrier to entry with any sort of like Hayward hypothetical deal. But it just feels like it's wiped away that that possibility that six weeks ago certainly seemed like a a, a, a strong card for for the Hornets to play. Yeah, just just to kind of live between these two, I, I would just say like not stating the. I mean, I am stating the obvious here. Um, Hayward's much more likely to like some kind of buzzer deal just because he's got so much more value from an encore perspective. Obviously his salary is less, uh, not a lot less, but it's less. And like, yes, if he were healthy, he could help a contender. He could help a playoff team. Um, so I, I think that him being moved is extremely more likely than Lowry. I just don't see it for Lowry. Yeah, I think Hayward's probably more likely to move to a trade. Uh, I think Lowry is just more likely to be off this team, <laughs> yeah, to be bought out yeah. regardless. So that, that's kind of how I view it. So, uh, but to Regulator's point, I, I do think Brian, like he says, he's become more domesticated since moving to Charlotte. I, I do think that like his family has just settled down here, and you almost wonder just being on the Hornets, like has he become numb to losing? And he's just okay. I'll, I'll just get my money. Right on. <laughs> Sunset, get my nine million dollars and just sit at the end of the bench and and be a veteran on this team and, and kind of see where it goes from there. But who knows? Who knows how his future? Right, and and look, all parties got to play, right? Like all parties got to play. And even if you have no trade clause, like the Hornets can still do what they're going to do. But that's a dangerous game as a small market team with very little credibility across the league. So you know, I think Hayward's got multiple kids. Uh, you know, lots of kids, young family. Like, yeah, you don't. You don't, uh, again, as a small market like Charlotte with very little credibility, you just don't piss off veterans like that and send them just wherever 
uh, without their consent. I mean, that's just, it's kind of good faith kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. All right. I just want to get like two rapid fire questions here before we wrap up this episode. And we really didn't talk about Nick Richards that much, but I feel like his name has been floating around there as well. But if you were to make a prediction, guys, of these four players, Richards, Washington, Hayward, and Bridges, how many of those guys get moved via trade before Thursday? I'm going to go real. <laughs> my my optimistic mindset is two. My realistic mindset says one. I think, I think that Washington is, to me, the most likely to get moved um, just because there's so many things lining up. Good value contract, under contract for multiple more seasons, young player, like there's – Hornets have got to be filled in a good amount of calls on that kind of player, right? Um, we've talked about Bridges. There's a lot of complications there. Richards is, is interesting, but $5 million, it's just, it's hard to, it, you know, it's like uh, and it, like two expiring minimum deals and a second round pick. Like, do, do I just want to get rid of that guy for that? Like, I, well, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's why the Richards deals like never made, like, I get it. I get that there are teams looking for backup center and you know, there's, there are other guys available. You've got Andre Drummond, Kelly Olenek, like there are other like backup centers that could be moved. seems like Olenek's going to be moved. Um, Richard's obviously a different player than, than, than Olenek, but he's like, he's, I think in the midst of his second season being like a rotation player, he does a lot of like conventional center things pretty well. Uh, screen roll, dive, drop coverage, you know, hit the offensive glass. Um, so I, I do get I do he's you know he's limited obviously but that discrete set of skills he has is still you know still has value but like it just never really made that much sense to me because he's on he, it's such a small salary that if it's just like if that's the only outgoing salary it's not like attached to anything else then what are you really getting in return like it would just be filler you know I don't think any I don't think you're gonna get like another like young player of note that's on like a a rookie contract back for him. Um, and I can't imagine like the draft capital that he would return um, outside of like a so-so second round pick. Like it just doesn't. And so just if that's the case, why, why would the Hornets be in a rush to move him when he has two more years left on his deal beyond this one? Like he's obviously not untradeable. And I get that there's a market for, for backup for, you know, for, for size and for center depth, but those moves just always sort of struck me as like, uh, I, I, I suppose there were some like legitimate reports, but it sort of struck me more as like people and like NBA, you know, sort of like Twitter cap, you know, cap space areas sort of like looking at well, which teams are obvious seller. The Hornets are one of them. And then, you know, backup center market is, uh, you know, it's, it exists. And then Richards is a salary. that's like easy yes, to plug into the trade yeah. machine. You know what I mean? Just like, it, that, it struck me as more like that than something that the, the Hornets would be like actually pursuing. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've gotten calls of them. I just can't imagine they'd get an offer that would make them want to move him now. And like, um, if also if they do, if they were to trade Richards, they would like absolutely like have to get a center back in return because like yeah, they have no yeah. centers, right? Like they've got, you know. It's just, it's, it's just, and like, he's played okay. Like Nate, he's played all right this year. I actually think he's had some nice moments. Um, but like right now the center rotation is like PJ who might get traded and in, in Richard. So like, you know, that, that's it. And like, and not to go off on a tangent, but like, 
can we get a Mark Williams update sometime soon? I mean, I'd love to know. I mean, I know he hurt his back, and that's pretty scary. Those injuries are like nothing to take lightly, but like, man, I'd love to. I'd love some information uh, on on the big fella because hopefully they're just being yeah. Hopefully they're just being careful with him. But I think he made the key point on Richards BG when it comes to the trade deadline. Like I, I do think that he's got to be attached to a larger deal, like him and Hayward going to Golden State. And somehow Looney being involved with Wiggins, like that. Now you're starting to talk about something, but he's got to be attached to something. Yeah. He's not going out by himself. It just oh, yeah. it, the math's not going to work. Yeah, I actually put out a trade today that expanded the PJ Washington trade, where it was Richards and PJ going to Dallas. The Hornets would be getting Rashawn Holmes if if you consider him, you know, backup center material. Uh, but then you get Jaden Hardy and Josh Green in addition, and that works. So uh, no, don't, I don't know if Dallas would do that with those young guys coming our way, but they definitely need front court help. Yeah, that wouldn't be – I mean, Richards could could be a decent backup to Lively, like Dubrun's pick and roll Luka. Like, it's not – that that trade, like, makes some sense if you're, like, you know, running out the ground ball on it for something that's probably not going to happen. But, like, yeah. yeah Dallas can, is – Conceptually – I, I like that's the exact kind of trade Charlotte should be looking at when it comes to like trying if it's not gonna be draft picks like can we get some young players in the system but mm-hmm. I just can't imagine that Dallas would ever part ways with Hardy uh and with Green you know who they Josh Green might be on the best contract in the NBA right now so I just I, I just seriously I, I just wouldn't be in like a, a real rush to move off of him but I mean that's the machination Charlotte should be looking at and, and look yeah Dallas I mean they usually do <laughs> It's not like they have a track record of like uh, uh, misvaluing or like not properly valuing uh, young guards on uh, on the roster. Quite possibly <laughs> one of the, the worst misvaluations in the NBA uh, in the in the history of the league. Whoops, <laughs> our bad, you guys. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> like I I know like I get on the Hornets for letting Malik Monk walk out the door and be like a Frank six man of the year, but they left like you know. A, the guy that should be starting at the East in the, you know starting in the All Star game this year, uh, like, walk out the door for Zil. Should he be a second team All NBA this year? It's <laughs> unbelievable. Unbel- Meanwhile, like Luca's like you know playing on a bad leg with like a forty percent usage rate, and it's like yeah, somehow this is. I don't know if this is working actually. Oh, Ryan, to that question, how, how many of those guys get traded? Do you think prediction? Oh yeah, sorry. Um. I would say one. I would not be surprised by zero. If you set the over under at one point five, I would take the under. Okay. That's, How about you, Richie? No, that's that's where I was going to set the over under, and I would go under as well. So yeah, yep. yeah. All right. Yeah. Last quick question of those four. Just take those four out. What is a guy on the Hornets that you feel like you know might get moved uh, by Thursday that has not been talked about a lot? Oh. You keep mentioning Cody. The, the Martin was my like would have been my answer to this question, yeah. but just like given his the health concerns with him too, it just seems that seems unlikely as uh, as well. So, um, do you think there's any chance they might throw in like Book Knight as a filler? Yeah, that was going to be yeah. my next one. I, I I think Book Knight just is like a here, like take you know <laughs> take this and you know put him in your like you know here. Like, I mean, but not in, like, obviously, if you on his own, like, going with somebody else. But there's nothing else on the roster. That's right. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 
All right, guys. Thanks again for joining for another episode. And for those that joined us late live here on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch, I doubt anyone's watching on Twitch, but or anywhere you're you're watching us live, this will be out as an episode version soon. If you like it ad-free, be sure to check out buzzbeat.substack.com. Uh, the trade rumors are going to start to pick up. The trades are probably going to go down closer to Thursday's 3 p.m. deadline. For Spencer and Brian, I'm Richie. We'll talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.